Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Thanks for listening. what's up what's going on hopefully everybody had a really good uh thanksgiving and all that and if anybody was shopping for stuff they got some really good deals because there's a lot of good ones out there this is a perfect time to go get them and all that but well this is an episode with our good buddy dr mike he's uh he's been on a couple times and all that he's uh matt's really good friend and i consider him a good friend too now um, he basically tells how he has a killer season so far and, and how he's been taking the leap and bought some private land down there in Alabama and kind of telling us how it's been going down there and how he's been adjusting from up here in Michigan to down there and so how the hunting style is way different. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm sorry they're not coming out every week. We're kind of busy hunting and anything like with the holiday. If there's a holiday in the week, we probably won't have one. Just naturally, just we got stuff. We're we're all family, man, and, and all our extra time right now we're uh, we're hunting and all that. So uh, bear with us, you know. And we got a lot of stuff lined up after the season and all that. A lot of good guests and all that. So. You know, if you guys got any suggestions or anything, let us know. And uh, hopefully just tell us how your season's going. Reach out to us and let us know how it's going. Even if it's going shitty like mine, just let me know. Let me know how bad it is. It can't be worse than mine, so we can complain together. So other than that, I think we're going to be diving deep into gun season here. In a, or, I mean, muzzleloader season by the time this episode airs and all that and hopefully this the woods kind of chill out they're kind of getting heavy hit hard for the last week in michigan at least and i know a lot of gun openers i think ohio and all that opened up and stuff like that this weekend and st- so well good luck if anybody's still after it we are still going hard matt's tagged out so that's a kind of weird story so hopefully he gets on here to tell that but uh enjoy well we're back we're uh, our little hiatus there uh joe <laughs> we didn't start that one great but it, it'll be all right should have buff out um well we're finally back with the podcast it's been a little bit of a break here uh i've been hunting hard i don't know if joe's been working or hunting hard neither neither but we do have Mike back, old Dr. Mike is back, and he's for sure been hunting hard. I don't know hunting hard, but he's been killing easy, yeah. I can tell you that much. It's been pretty yeah. efficient the last couple of weeks, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, real. <laughs> Did you text in the group chat? No, you didn't text me. That was somebody else. I was like, did you motherfuck me? <laughs> like, uh, after, like, I, sending a picture, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I just motherfucked you. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think that was me. <laughs> I was not in that group chat either, so. No. <laughs> I don't think that was I us. was a little motherfucking. I was like, this guy just shows up and just blasts this motherfucking. That's yeah. how every person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, people don't realize is uh, I've been hunting hard since mid set, like September 10th down <laughs> south. So if you if you uh, if you hunt within about a mile radius of where uh, where we do, you, you probably aren't a big fan of Mike right now because he sat for four hours and tagged out on two pretty <laughs> whoa, good bucks. Whoa, whoa. There was a I did sit a hunt in between for eight hours. He was in a ground blind. Okay, he he went to our lease and hunted for. He let's he, let's hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's let's back up. Let's here. back it so, up. Mike, how's uh, the, your season been going? Uh, <laughs> how did it start out? How did it start out? Uh, so I I live in Georgia, and in Georgia the season opens like September tenth, and it's still like one hundred and twelve degrees. Um, that seems very drastic. Uh, it was it was ninety two my first hunt. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I would, I, what are you wearing? Nothing. Like. Literally nothing. <laughs> uh, no, I bought some. Um, I got on a field staff of this camo group that's based out of this. It's called Treason. They're based out of the southeast, and they make some really really light thin gear that's really comfortable that breeds well. So I, I use that down there quite a bit. But um, so I started hunting in September, and uh, the first two weeks, I probably sat 25 times. Yeah, you were sitting a lot, because I remember you just Snapchatting me. I'm like, Jesus, man. Yeah. Um, and Were you working, though, or did you have yeah, that Yeah, so um, this is, this is kind of unique in that going to opening day of bow season in Georgia, I pulled my four-wheeler out of the garage, and the throttle got jammed, and it started speeding up, going in reverse, and it flipped, and it threw me off of it, and I landed on some concrete. And... Um, so I flipped it back over, fixed the handlebars, and then loaded it and went to hunting camp. Came back to work on Monday and instantly started having major headaches looking at my monitors and my screens. So I've been partially off of work since then for a concussion. Um, and I was working like half time, trying to keep going, trying to keep going. Well, November 1st, um, or actually it was Halloween day. No, it was November 1st. Um, the CEO of the company came in and said, Hey, like you're still struggling. Like you're having a lot of headaches. Just take the whole month of November off. We'll pay you. <laughs> but take the, take the whole month off, go to the woods, go do something. Just try to get, you know, try to recover and like decrease your stimulus from screens and monitors and meetings. Um, so the concussion has sucked. Have been able to sleep. Yeah. I'd be pissed. Headaches, man. headaches are bad. Vision's been blurry when I'm in a monitor. But it couldn't have come at a better time from a hunting perspective. So I've, I would, hunted, I've hunted more this year than I have uh, in a long time. I would take a concussion every year to, to get that. If yeah. My no. boss was telling me if you get a concussion, you can take the whole month of November off. <laughs> I would be running into walls yeah. a, a lot. I, mean, I would <laughs> physically just run it right into a wall. So we, um, I think the last time I was on, we were in Missouri. Correct. Now, up to that yeah. point, all, all I had killed was a what I'm calling a confidence kill. Uh, I hunted for a couple weeks in, in Georgia and I killed a small buck on November f or sorry, October 1st after hunting there for a few weeks. Um, had had a couple bad interactions where I had a big buck in front of me and some dude in the hunt club comes by in a side by side and scares the deer off. That was super cool. Uh, the tractor came by and like they just, uh, that's why I'm not going in this hunt club again. It's just cause they've been just a bunch of dicks pretty much. Yeah. That's uh, in Georgia, right? Yep. And uh, I wanted to make sure I got this new Matthews this year, and I wanted to make sure I shot something with the Matthews before we went to Missouri. Just as like a you know, get your confidence, the bow's dial that feels good. Uh, so I shot this real goofy, funky um, small buck that had some really weird brows that were like hooking around its head. The best part is the hunt club was like, oh, that's a great call buck. Yeah, they kept telling me it was a call buck, and I'm like, 
You sure? Man, <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> if you go back and look at my text with Minkus, I was like, dude, I gotta. Uh, I just have to text you so I don't like throat punch these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I even, I even how went, to be a dick. I even went back and found some of the articles, and I'm like, should I send this to them? Like, this is not a thing. You can't control the genetics of a wild herd. But anyways, <laughs> um, so I shot that deer. Went to Missouri. Horrible weather, I think, as you guys heard yeah. before. But since I've been back from Missouri, my season has been. <laughs> On Great fire. balls of fire. It is insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's back it up a little bit because I'm just wondering. So what's your biggest difference besides obviously the 90-degree weather but all that? What's your biggest thing from Georgia to, to Michigan? Because you were born and raised in Michigan. Yeah. So. Most of my hunting in my entire life, I would say 95% of my hunting until this year has been in Michigan, in Michigan alone. Okay. Um, it's completely different. I'd, I literally had to learn how to hunt differently because there's no ag. All the, the main resource down there is timber. So it's these all pine timber farms. Um, there's no ag. The elevation change is just crazy. And there's no like distinct bedding areas. So this, this hunt club that I'm in, there's, um, there's a bunch of cutovers where they've cut you know 100 acres of pine and it's growing up and it's thick, brushy stuff. But it's everywhere. So there's oaks everywhere. And there's bedding and there's cover everywhere. So there's no distinct bed to feed patterns. So it really, it really threw me for a loop. Is Georgia flatter or is it kind of rolling? Oh, no, it's, it's like the foothills of the Appalachians. So there's, it's, it's pretty hilly in elevation change. Not like my property in Alabama. Um, but it's, it is, you can't see more than a hundred. I can tell from the Snapchats. It is thick. Oh, it's so thick. thick. So thick. Alabama Um, or Georgia? Georgia. Oh. And in, in most of the people in this hunt club, Man, they're they all use climbers and they just jack up thirty feet up in a pine tree. That sounds horrible. Well, the other thing in Georgia is they can bait. Yeah, you which can bait is a little bit different um, than yeah. So they put corn out. I didn't um I didn't really hunt over corn much at all when I was there. There was corn. I put a trail cam picture on just to see what I could get. But um, the three deer that I killed in at this hunt club, none of them were over any type of bait or anything. Has anybody had like good success over the yeah the op- bait opening bunch? day of gun season, which is stupid. The the gun season in Georgia opens like three weeks before the rut, so it opens like October twentieth, twenty second. We were in, we were going to Missouri. It opens then. The rut there is the same time as Michigan, and it goes through like end of January. Oh, the gu- all this is all yeah, rifle. And for and for residents, for eighty eight dollars, I get two buck tags, ten doe tags, and two turkey tags. Jeez. So you can just—it's insane in Georgia. Go wild, damn! We can't even buy our, our combo and our base license. But I haven't seen—I've seen two no. good bucks out there that I would have shot, and everything else has been a lot of spikes and a lot of weird, funky racks. So what's a what's a good? They're obviously buck not out. taking enough call bucks. Yeah, right. Exactly. Racks. You just got to call buck the hell out of that place. Yeah, I mean. Um, <laughs> There's not the, the deer, at least in this area of Georgia, there's just not a lot of mass to them, right? I mean, you can get good time length and a good spread. So the county that this hunt club is in, it's actually got like an APR. It has to be four on one side or 16 inch sp- or 15 or 16 inch total outside spread. So there's some restrictions there. So there's that helps some, but I didn't see a deer over 110 inches. Yeah. Yeah, because I know like Michael Waldell and them guys, they're from down there and they shoot some. Well, South Georgia, if you go south where all the peanut farms and all that are, you can get some much bigger bucks down there yeah. uh, with more mass. But in this area, everything around it is pine farms that get leased out for hunt clubs, and they just, you know. Are they mostly dark rack down there, or is that more? Cause oh, that the was, buck you shot was 
uh, same. Well, that was in Al- that was in Alabama though. It wasn't in Georgia. No, the small call book. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to stop no, calling that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. think it was. Um, it, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's say this. Is it call book or is it call book? Call C U L O. Call. They call it a call book. I don't. I don't know. I always hear it coal, like like almost. But there's no can, A in there. We can argue about how it's said or how it's done. It's still dumb. Oh either, yeah. What? Ah. Either way, I'm calling it the confidence kill goofy buck. Is what I'm calling yeah. it. Um, but no, I haven't noticed any major difference there. Um, the biggest thing is what I learned hunting there is I had to learn a lot more about acorns and dropping and different types. So I started digging a lot into the different white oaks, red oaks, water oaks, and then these pin oaks and trying to identify the trees and doing some research on when they drop. And that's when I actually started having the most success seeing deer is when I would, because you can't hunt the same ag field because these things drop and two weeks later that area is dead and you got to go find something else. So my most success was after I realized that all the white oaks, which are where the deer go the most, were gone, but the red oaks were starting to drop. And that's when I really started, that's when I shot those those two does with my daughter and was seeing a lot of uh, a lot more buck activity because I was just in a better area. Yeah, I think that will make you the best hunter is the way you, you're approaching it. it. Just actually woodsmanship, you yeah. know. You know, a lot of these places, and I'm guilty of it, is just repeat history. Like, okay, I know deer come here, and they go they go here. Like in Michigan, I don't in Michigan, I've never had to do that. Right, right. I, I sit, I know where the bedding is. There's a there's a field behind us. We we go in between there, and we know where they're gonna go. All right. But in Georgia, I just I've scouted so scouted so much more there, trying to find more scrapes, more sign, trying to find bedding, which is impossible because they're pretty much be- there's not distinct bedding like there is here in the Midwest. And the deer density is a lot lower, right? Well, it is, but I mean, it. there's still nights I would see 15 deer. Oh, hmm. oh well, that's not bad. Yeah, um, they say it's a lot less, but I didn't I didn't notice a major difference. Once I knew where to go and I started figuring it out. Yeah, once you could locate some um, deer. But I, um, I'll tell you what, last year was the first year, so I'm, I'm 35 and I've hunted most of my life, but I've not been a hunter or like a, an outdoorsman necessarily. It wasn't until last year when we went to Kansas that I really started to pay attention to wind and dig into thermals and really start to embrace like the woodsmanship part of it and, and listening to more podcasts and listening to different groups and doing more research looking at more of the studies that you see from different universities and all of that, um, that my, uh, my deer hunting knowledge and success and like the, the sport of it has changed a lot in the last year, significantly. Do you think that it's made you, uh, more obsessed with hunting or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think watching, and we talked about this yesterday when we were cutting your deer up, Watching deer, how Spoiler they interact. Alert. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think we already know. But um, watching deer, watching how they interact, like it was when I started passing deer was when I really like when I mean when I shot my first deer, I got into hunting. Mm-hmm. But it, everything kind of changed when I started letting deer go and seeing how they interact and stuff like that. And it got for me, it's that's what gets me every time. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Actually, one of the biggest things is. Um, is you guys, which sounds kind of weird, listening to your podcast. I never listened to podcasts before. And that then got me onto a lot of other podcasts. So when I moved back to Georgia, there's a group down there that's got five, 600 episodes. It's like the Southern Outdoorsman podcast, but they are based in Alabama and they only hunt the Southeast. 
And they bring on a lot of people that are specific to hunting the type of land that, that I'm hunting now. And I've learned a lot from that even. And that would, I got a three hour drive to this hunt club, which is kind of a pain in the dick. Um, but that's, uh, that's what I would listen to doing that just so I could learn more about what I was doing and implementing that right away. So it's, it's very different. And then going to Missouri, it's like being back in the Midwest, obviously, cause it is. And then hunting Michigan, um, you yeah, I've, reach that far? I've had more wow. success. We're, uh, Minkus here, we're, we are literally doing two European mounts as we speak in the garage. So we're in Minkus's garage and it smells like boiling deer, deer skull, um, as we're, we're changing these out. So, yeah. so yeah, it's been very different. Um, but I think it's made me better. I've, I've, I've never been great or really tried to learn about tree species or different food or acorns. I was like, Oh, that's an oak tree. Cool. But like, what kind of oak, when does it drop? When is that, you know, how does that change the deer travel? So I'm going to try to do this while, uh, <laughs> while we're recording. I need all my tools though. Yeah. I mean, like one of the big pinnacle points, like, you were saying just to be like a woodsmanship, like, like I just noticed the deer were crossing in one spot and I was just like, why are they going there? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, they're just going over there. No, there's a reason why they're going that way. And it's just not. And then that's kind of what was like the breaking point and all that. What was this your was biggest? This was the first year I started asking myself that when a deer would come by, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to shoot that. But why did they come from there? There's nothing on our property on this hunting lease, which is 900 acres of where they should come from. So I started getting on Onyx and I would zoom way out to like the neighbor's property or this over there and try to figure out why they were coming in. Um, I don't know that I could answer the question, but I at least start asking the question. I ask that every time I go out. It's actually, it's properties I know. I don't ask it unless deer do something that I'm not used to them doing. And then I really spend a lot more time and effort into wondering why did that deer come from there? Well, you know, what made that deer come from there? Or why did that deer, I, I spent a lot of time asking myself, why did that deer react that way? Mm -hmm. um, oh, Jesus. My, my evolution here, just to, to, I don't even know if you know this, Joe, but, you know, I'd come back for opening day of gun season from down south and hunt with my families and my stepdad. And that's just what we would do. I never really, my first bow kill wasn't until I bought this property in Corona and up until I had an old compound that I'd had for like 10 years, an old like Martin mag cat that I never replaced the strings on. And I just went, would go out, didn't know any better. And I shot a year and a half old seven points a couple of years back. Um, and that got me hooked. But then we were going to Kansas and I took, I bought a crossbow to go cause it was less expensive. And I, I, I wanted to be able to shoot further and then after that, I was like, okay, this is not, that's not for me. So and actually, you actually turned me on to like some of the like archery talk or one of the forums or whatever. Yeah. And I bought that, that V3, yeah. uh, 31 inch V3 Matthews. And I've done more preparation and more, more work shooting and practicing shooting from elevated positions. And the biggest thing was trying to shoot my bow seated. So I did a lot of practice trying not to have extra movement to be able to shoot straight into my strong side just completely sitting down so well you're in a unique position that you are right-handed left-handed well, i thought you're, you you do everything right-handed and then you shoot your bow left -handed. correct yes correct i shoot left-handed which is odd that is very odd it's also hard to find guns left. and bows that are left-handed they just don't make as many of them. no well, and you, you can, can never get away get with a gun left-handed as long as it's not like a semi-auto where it's not ejecting the shell out right 
Well, actually, semi-auto, it's it's usually a, just a bolt action because you're not going to find very many semi-autos. No. All my shotguns are just right here. Because the bolt would be sticking in your face, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So when I bought my, I went on a caribou hunt like, I don't know. Eight, yeah, nine, but your 450 ago. is right-handed. It is. Which is fine if you only need one shot, which is all we use, all I've needed so far. Uh, but if you have to re-rack it, it's a pain. Yeah, I've I just I recently just well, I didn't get rid of my 450. I just stepped down to a 350. The 450. Did you end just, up getting a 350? I, I converted my AR to a 350. Oh, okay. So it's too much bullet for me. It's just like it's a lot. Don't get me wrong, great bullet, great bullet. But it's just like I shoot that thing and I. Forget what year it is. Sometimes, well, that uh, four fifties are just so loud. <laughs> yeah, they're well. That that four fifty that I have, I bought from my, my my brother had it made, and I ended up getting it from him because he wasn't using it much anymore. And um, it is like a tank. It is so heavy, but it takes almost all the recoil away, so it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't kick much at all. It's uh, that gun's nice. It's the the those light like the the Ruger four fifty. Um, yeah. The ones that are all composite stocks, where they're so light, it just kicks like a mule. That's what I had, so maybe that's my problem. Yeah, it kicks, and they are seriously might be the loudest weapon I've ever shot in my life, just for no reason, just just to be loud. I mean, the three fifty uh, less recoil, obviously, but it's nowhere near as loud. Yeah. I didn't realize how small that bullet was until. I was in the tower blind where um, that was last night. Yeah, and there was there was uh, casings from my 450 and from Minkus's 350, right. and it's just amazing the size. Yeah, it, so. it's basically a two two three, just neck. Yeah, just necked up, or just whatever. No neck. I mean, we are making progress over here. Matt Good. is demeeting a skull. Is that what it is? De- yeah, I'm de- okay with demeeting. I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. bitch about it. Yeah. Um. But let's get to your Michigan. I, I'm sorry. Should well, we talk about the Alabama one first? Yeah, let's go. Let's don't. I forget. I'm just so yeah. excited. I'll, I'll try. Michigan. I'll try to. Ste- I'll try to tell in it order. And, well, okay. And, I just want to preface this. So, there's a couple of things I haven't done in Michigan, but the Michigan gun season for me, even though I haven't killed a deer, was has been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been exciting. So, yeah. will you talk about Alabama? I'll keep. Deep, I'll try to I, keep it in chronological order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I definitely uh, want to mention. Because your your last podcast that you're on from the Missouri one, you were like, "Well, cats out of the bag. I bought a place." Yeah. So, go from there. Let's talk about this place a little bit. Not so, like yeah. So, me and a good friend of mine, Matt, who we were in Missouri with. Uh, I've known Matt for a decade. Him and I both work for the same organization, and um, our, our families go camping together in the summer. He's got a couple kids that are the same age as my kids. Good good friend of mine, and um, he is. Um, He's got the same type of passion, but he's kind of in the same place where he's hunted, but he's just now kind of getting in as I, as he's seen me more passionate with the, with archery and doing different things. He's, he's started to get more into it too and wants to go from his crossbow to a compound and, and do more as well. Yeah. I think, he took this, his compound down to Missouri. I yeah. mean, he brought the crossbow too, but he took the compound I, out. For I, all love but the, one I love month. the archery aspect. The archery aspect makes deer hunting way funner for me, but like. Yeah. Everybody's very personal, but that's what makes me... So we're both on this journey of going from people that have hunted to being hunters and, and just wanting to do more with it. So we were we did a camping trip this past year and went around to like Hocking Hills, Ohio and, and Shenandoah National Forest. And we, did, we just did some really cool camping trips with our families. And while we're sitting there at the campfire, we knew we were going to do this hunt club in Georgia, but we were like, man, this is three hours from the house. 
it's uh, we don't have much control over it. The guys aren't necessarily the um, there's just not a lot of camaraderie at the camp. And we said this isn't we we should find something on our own. Real side note, like what's the age structure at this hunt club? So this hunt club is there's nine people in it. There's 900 acres. Yeah. Um, and there's three guys that are probably in their 60s, and then everybody else is in their you know okay 30s. Okay. But it's more of a like you pay and you go, and there's no like sharing of trail cam pictures. Yeah. There's no um, there's just no like collegial nature of it. There's no camaraderie. There's, there's just none of that. Did you just say like collegial? What the hell is collegial? Yeah, yeah, camaraderie. Is just, it's <laughs> People use the word collegial more like colleagues like yeah. that you work with that you also, you know. Let me make it clear. With. The only people that do that are got to be doctors. Yeah. I've never heard that word in my life. Anyways. We would um, kick somebody's ass on the so job. Think, <laughs> if they said that. Uh, just right, right from the get, we're like, okay, we're going to try this hunt club and let's just see how it goes. Well, I take my camper there. It's, it's good. It's okay. But I'm, it's just me by myself out there. Um, and we said the stu- too far away. You have to drive through Atlanta traffic to get there. So a two hour trip, two and a half hour trip could turn into a five hour trip at any time. We said, it'd be cool if we could eventually like do something together. And, um, so we just started looking online while we were sitting at the campfire in July. And, um, we found a couple properties and we were like, Oh, this would be cool. And then we got back home and we went out to this hunt club for the first time. We we're like, okay, we definitely got to take this seriously. So we kind of got our wives like, sure, go ahead and look, but we'll see what happens. Um, and, um, cause both of our wives are very, uh, conservative financially. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this cause my wife will listen to this podcast and make us know my wife will call me and be like, Hey, you just spent $5 at the store. What did you need to stop for? I packed you a lunch. Um, <laughs> when, um, we, we are not, we are not rich, but we are, we are, we do well. We do well. We're, we're well off. We have, we're fortunate to have different opportunities. And, um, but you've worked very hard for that. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we, wanna... um, so I said, Matt, are you serious about this? So I called this realtor and I said, Hey, I'd like to come look at this property. And this property is 122 acres or it was 120 acres along this major river system that, um, was landlocked. So the other property in this area is selling for double what we paid. So what I did is we got a hold of the other landowner who had another property for sale, and we bought a 200-foot strip from the road into the property. When we, we paid a good, a good amount for that, more than the acreage is worth, but it gave us access, and it instantly made the property we bought worth way more. So it's 122 acres with 1,800 feet along a river, a major river in Alabama, and 10 of the acres is on the other side of the river. 27 of it was clear cut and the rest of it's all hardwoods. I mean, 95% hardwoods with three or four Creek systems that run between it. And what's cool is I was out there scouting the other day and there's, there's four different spots where there is um, like moonshine stills that are rusted out that are out there where they've dug it out of the ground. It's clearly moonshine areas. Uh, I think I showed, I took a picture of it and you can see um, the copper pot with the hand tacks that are in it all around it. It That's, is, it is pretty cool. Definitely send me that picture. To me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a cool spot. You'll have to come down and, and, um, and hang out with us. So Alabama, it's an hour, it's an hour West of me. I don't have to hit more than two stoplights. It's, it's essentially nowhere near. It's the opposite of whatever Atlanta is. It's in Eastern Alabama. So it's 122 acres. We're pretty pumped about it. There's, there's a lot of wood ducks there, a lot of Turkey, the deer age structure isn't great. The the buck that I shot there was the, the biggest one that I have on camera. Um, and um, so, yeah, so we're excited to, again, we bought it like a week before the season opened. 
So we put a couple stands up, started to learn the property, and um, we actually created a little hunt club of our own. And we invited two people to come into it with us, and they pay us like an annual fee. So there's me, him, and two other guys. And these guys essentially pay us some money to hunt it. One of them lives in the area, so he helps us make sure no one's in there. And the money that we get from that, we're putting back into the land, buying stands, buying cameras, going to put some food plots in. Um, so there's four of us that are hunting this 122 acres. So um, back to Georgia. When we got back from Missouri the next weekend, I took my, um, we got the camper out at this hunt club in Georgia. So I took the family out so we could, you know, it, it's kind of nice because the camper can be there. I can hunt the morning, come back, hang out with the family versus leaving away from the family for four or five days straight. So um, they came out. I got a five and a seven-year-old daughter, daughters. Neither one of them have ever been to the woods with me, but they've always wanted to see the deer. They've wanted to do this. So um, the five-year-old said, hey, can I come with you? I said, absolutely. Like, let's go. I've never tried to push it but I've always exposed them to it. Uh, and I knew it was going to be a shit show. I mean, Man. she can't sit still anywhere. Uh, so there's this one box blind near where I'd put a, um, a uh, my XOP actually I had hanging right near it. So I went and cleaned that out. We got it ready. I bought a pair of um, those Walker um, like heads, headphones that you yeah. can, or uh, like you can still talk. You can but... still talk and they can hear you. Yeah. And um, I showed her how to put them on and we did all this. So we're sitting out there and she's kicking her feet. I made her take her boots off because she kept kicking the wall. My wife packed her like cheeses and she's over here like crunching on cheeses super loud. I knew it was going to be like that. Um, and the first thing that happens is this spike comes out. She goes, can we shoot it? Can we shoot it? I was like, no, baby, we can't shoot that one. Mm. And then um, and then a button butt comes out. And it's like, no, can't shoot that one either. And she goes, when are we going to be able to shoot them? I said, okay, if a doe comes out, we will shoot the doe. And at this point, it's gun season in, in Georgia. Um, so we're in this box blind. She's sitting there. She's swiveling the chair. She's kicking this. And this doe comes across. And I'm still, this gun is still sighted in from when I went caribou hunting. Obviously, I've recited, But the ammo that it's sighted for is the same ammo that I took caribou hunting. It's a... It's 180 grain. Excessive. Uh, and these, and these yeah. George deer are not. <laughs> it's excessive. Um, overkill's underrated in this scenario. Mm -hmm. So I, um, this first doe came out, and she like I look over, and she already put her head the the uh, ear protection on. She's ready. And I said, "Are you ready?" She goes, "All right, cool." And I gave her my uh, my rangefinder, and she's looking through the one like you know it's a four power rangefinder. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got some cool pictures of it, and we we busted that doe, and she dropped away. She's like, "Can we go get it? Can we go get it?" I was like, "No, no, no. Let's wait. It's like 4:30. I'm like, let's wait a little bit." Um, and then another little buck comes by like a little six point. She goes, can we shoot that one? I was like, no, we can't shoot that one. Cause again, it's, uh, it's four on one side or 15 inch outside spread. Um, so then another doe comes out and she's like, can we shoot that? And I was like, okay, we'll shoot that one. So it was, it was just a cool experience. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to see a whole lot. And it was like the early part of the rut there or like pre-rut. Um, it was one of the last hunts and I knew I wasn't going to get a chance at a big buck, but that experience was just super cool to be able to take her out. Um, and she wanted to go, you know, she helped me load the deer. We pulled them up. She helped you gut it. She did not. So how did when, she like that? Experience? When, I, when I got that funky buck, um, in Georgia with the bow earlier in the year, I brought it back. And when they saw the inside of the chest cat, the abdominal cavity, they did not want to get close to it. So I knew we took it up, took some pictures, and then I went back out and gutted it because I didn't want to like, yeah, you know, make yeah, it yeah, to go out. Baby steps and all that. Yeah. So, but that's super cool that like, that's like all what it's all about is this getting them involved. And so I processed both of those deer in my garage um, and she came out and it's like, I got like a leg off a quarter on the table and she was like, Oh, is that, the, are we going to eat it? So we went through like the whole, 
here's what we do. This is where we eat it. This is what we're doing. So we turned one of them into a roast and put it in the crock pot and cooked it up. Um, and she did really well. Both the girls did from knowing that it was like seeing the whole process from yeah. the animal alive to being shot, to being processed, to bring it at home, to cooking it. You know, some kids will get like, oh, I don't want to, you know, that's the deer. I don't want to eat that. But they, they did great with it. And um, I'm glad that they know where the food comes from. Right. So they're not on a food activist site one day just saying you shouldn't kill deer when you can just go to the store and buy yeah. meat. No animals are harmed with your hamburger that's at Walmart, right? Yeah, 100 Um and we eat, um, again, these deer are significantly smaller. And my wife and I started the year saying, okay, if with these southern deer, we're going to need five deer for us to make it through the whole year. Like, because that's all we eat. We don't we don't buy much beef at all. Um, and this is the first year that I've processed most of I've processed deer in the past. Minkus and I have done a couple in the garage here that we're sitting in. and um, But usually I take it in. But I was just amazed. They're charging $120 for yeah. a basic cut on a deer in Georgia. And these deer are not big. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a huge thing that I've noticed this year is just like the price of processing. Uh, yeah, it's up. It's crazy. Like, it, I remember it when it was like up. fifty-five bucks. Now it's like, yeah. if you can find it under ninety bucks, it's that's fucking. Everywhere huge. I've looked is a hundred bucks. Yeah. So, um, this property in Alabama, I um, I only hunted there twice so far this year. I just haven't hunted it much because. I was hitting the rut in Georgia, so I was out at this hunt camp, and, and uh, that property was just still pretty new, and I was just learning, and we had cameras out. And it was the weekend before I came here, um, I went out with my bow, because I thought it was still bow season, because the rest of Alabama didn't open up for gun season. I forgot later. about this part of that story. I get out of the truck, and one of the guys that's in the hunt club with me, who's a good dude, he's a, he's, um, he's a knowledgeable hunter. He's actually out in Arkansas on a duck hunt right now, and um, he pulls out with a three oh eight, and I'm like... Is it rifle season? He goes, yeah, this unit opens up a week before the rest of the state. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, I got the bow. And I've been wanting to kill a good buck with a bow. Like, that's what I've been wanting to All do. Right. But I also just like, uh, taking a, my 300 is a higher probability of killing a yeah, big buck, right. which I also like doing. Um, and I was like, man, I know there's something going to come by like 70 yards. It's going to be a monster and I'm not going to be able to get a shot at it. So we're sitting there. Um, the wind's perfect. It's like a southwest wind, and um, and I'm on the edge of a, a steep drop-off, and then it's like 100 yards to where that river is. And a little buck comes in um, to my north, and he works a scrape. First time I've seen a buck like that work a scrape this aggressively. He was thrashing a decent little eight-point, but he was probably a year and a half old. Um, not one that I was going to shoot. We've got... Um, so There's only two sh bucks that I considered shooters on camera there. And the reason I sat that stand is because the night before I had the other shooter come through on the trail camera at like four o'clock. And I was like, okay, he's got to come back to where the bedding area is. I'll try to catch him in the morning. I'm sitting there, sitting there for about an hour and a half. And, um, you know, th I think this is where uh, I picked this up from Minkus more, but, um, I'm, I'm a little bit ADD, I guess, in the stand. So I, I like the aspect of calling. So I hit the grunt call. Uh, I took my rattling antlers and scraped the tree a little bit in the in the the stick that was behind me. Hit the grunt call a couple more times, and I look up. I don't know, a minute and a half later, and this buck is coming from the river, and it's uh, it's a buck that I haven't had on camera in almost three weeks. Um, but it was the bigger buck that we've had out there, the biggest one, really the only one at the time that I was going to shoot. He came in right down the path he should have, essentially on my um, my off wind or a quartering wind or a whiskey wind, whatever you want to call it. And um, he came through at 17 yards. I uh, I gave him the all and he stopped and smoked him at 17 yards, full pass through. 
he ran like a hundred yards. It ended up being a double long. And, um, I don't know if I sent you this picture, but he fell. And when he went to go lift his head back up, his antler must've got stuck in this tree on this sapling. Cause when I walked up, he was look. it looked like he was looking at me cause he was, his head was straight yeah. up yeah, holding on the tree. Yeah. Um, and my buddy that was there, that's in the hunt club with me, he had his 308. And I'm like, get, get the gun ready. I think that deer's still alive. And uh, it wasn't. It was just laying there with its head stuck. So we took a few pictures. He helped me drag it out. Um, I like it. Luckily, we had the side-by-side there because it's a steep, steep. It's like probably a, I don't know, 120 feet incline going up to where we park at. So it was the first buck taken off this new property in Alabama. Uh, it was the biggest one we had on camera. And it was my biggest with a compound to that point. So you were in a tree stand, right? Yeah, I was actually... What, what, uh, what made you put your stand there? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's... um. On this property, it drops off like 100, 150 feet, and there's this little bowl. And along the river, there's like a steep bank, and it's kind of weird because this bowl is the same level as the river, but the bank comes up and it drops back down. And there's three different um, drainages. There's three fingers that come in off these ridges, and they all funnel to the same area. And there's a crossing there in the bowl, and we treat the bowl a bit of as a sanctuary where we don't hunt there. But there was... um, the, the deer will side hill, like they'll go three quarters of the way up the hill and there was a rub line that was there. And this is really the only p- travel pattern because the river's on one side. There's some, um, there's a lot of down trees and brush where they really can't get through. So that kind of funnels them right to where I was at, to where that bowl is, which has kind of been the hub of activity that's there. And there was a scrape pretty close by. So I just knew along that river, that's the biggest funnel point because there's three main trails that come in, but they funnel into the one trail that then I was on. So we had, we had some trail cam activity about a hundred yards away. Um, so that's why I put it there. Yeah. And it, honestly, for the prevailing wind in that area, it was, it was just the best spot for the wind as well. Right. So from boots on the ground to shooting that deer, how much time do you think you had on that property before? It was only my second sit, right? So I'd probably been in a stand less than six hours, but I've probably been out there, I don't know, 35 hours okay. of... Between trail cams and, lear- and learning the property, um, it might have been more than that because I've taken a lot of people out there and shown them around and done that. It, it, I mean, we've done a lot of work of clearing trails. So if you count all the clearing of trails and, and some of the other work, it might be more than that. But um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't um, a lot. It wasn't a lot. Right. So what's your biggest uh, habitat management plan do you think you're going to do this next year? I mean... If you have any, there's, there's a lot of great habitat that's already there. Um, I think a lot of it is still just learning. I was out there the other day after I shot that buck the next day, um, looking to where I'm going to put a different stand. And I found like a huge community scrape near smoke flats where I, where I found those moonshine stills. Um, so a lot of it, I think is still learning it, but the 27 acres that's clear cut in the middle, we want to get that brush hogged out, and I want to actually do some other habitat management, not just for deer, but dove. Dove hunting is big in the southeast, so we want to do um, a, like a dove field that's in that area and actually put maybe a few kill plots in. Um, I'd like to do some clover just because it'll come back and continue to grow for a few years, at least like a five-year plan. So we need to create some more guiding trails um, for us to have access to it. Um, tr- stand access is not great right now just because of the way where the trails are and where it is. So really improving that. Um, 
and just learning what the deer are doing. There's still 10 acres that we own that's on the other side of the river that we haven't even crossed the river yet because you got to get hip waders. My hip waders just came in. We haven't even like investigated that other side of the river yet where there's another 10 acres. So wow. I think that's the biggest thing is um, learning, learning the travel patterns a little bit more, figuring out what deer we have, and um, getting a better inventory of the different types of oak trees and when they're dropping for those stand placements, making sure we have some stands that are set up for the different prevailing winds that are there um and then putting a, a couple of food plots in because there's just no ag in that area really there's a lot of cow pastures in that area okay. um so trying to get something that'll that'll pull them in and hold them a little bit but that's the main thing is um the property is uh, one of the things i've been doing a lot is trying to learn some of the state funding that's out there so this is actually in a bit of a conservation program with the state of alabama so my taxes are essentially almost nothing. I get a couple grand off my taxes because we aren't building things on it, and it is essentially preserved. Um, so I'm trying to find a way for that that property to actually become a source of income as well. There's other programs that you can put it in because well, we have a waterway opportunity. There's a wetland opportunity. There's some edge feathering that they'll pay you for. Um, the state will actually come out and help you do a controlled burn in certain areas as well. So it's, it's a lot of that. We need more, def we need more defined bedding. There's really no clear bedding. So, um, we want to burn an area and, and just plant some thicker cover. So there's, there's more, um, there's more protection from the elements and different things. So that's the main thing. Yeah. What's a, what's the buck? How many tags can you buck tags or uh, yeah. doe tags? Yeah. Alabama is, um, it's three buck tags, no restrictions. And then don't quote me on this because I knew I wasn't going to shoot a doe this year. So I haven't looked into it. It's like two does a day for the whole season with no max. Yeah. It's insane. It's yeah, insane. That, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But on the, on this property, there's uh, we've got bobcats, we've got coyotes, a, a shit ton of turkeys. There's wood ducks all along the river. So it'll be a good, just like all year. There'll be something to do all year round. Yeah. Which is cool. No, that's really cool. Uh, there's quite a bit of rabbit habitat. I turned of... your mic off because you're skull fucking right now. This... I'm doing all right. I need a hose, but we're making progress. I'm giving up on it for now. And you guys saw the Snapchat that I sent of oh, that, that black fox squirrel with the all white face. Yeah, that was. Uh, I... It was kind of wild. Dude, I would definitely mark that and yeah. go get that back thing in. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a trail cam picture. Oh, here we go. So that was um, that eight points uh, in Alabama was my first Alabama buck. Biggest buck with a compound. First buck with the, uh, I guess it wasn't my first buck, but my first good buck with that. Uh, first buck taken off this new property that we have. So it was, it was a lot of firsts, uh, and it's a good-looking buck. It's got um, not a lot of mass. Those, the deer there, just I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of deer in that part of the state that have a lot of mass to them. Tie length is pretty good. The main beams, there's just a lot of curve and a lot of character to it. It's, uh, it's a cool-looking deer. How far are you from the Mississippi? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so pretty far. <laughs> I've, yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Because I know some people that just hunt that Mississippi, and they get some studs. But Now, there's um the guy that's in the hunt club. He showed me a picture of a deer that was killed a couple of years ago less than 15 minutes away, and it was a 170-inch deer. That's probably so there's, that's probably a, a giant. Yeah, there. it's it's just insane. Yeah. Now, the body still looked like a yearling. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, and there's some, we did find a hog skull on the property before we bought it. But there's no hog sign. I guess they'll pass through from time to time, but they're not like a problem there. Well, like five to six years, you'll have 170s running around. Right. So that was my last hunt in the south a week before I came home. So I went home, quartered it up, cut it up, packaged it. 
uh, caped out the, caped it out. And, uh, then I came up here and I, uh, I got here at two o'clock on Thursday of last week, which would have been, what's, what was the date on that? Like the 18th, maybe? The opening yeah. day was Tuesday. Yeah, that was 15th. So it was the 17th. 17th. So I, I got here at two o'clock on the 17th, dropped the kids off, text Mankus and say, hey, where are you at? He said, I'm going to hunt the lease. I'm bringing Easton. We're going to be in the pop. I said, okay, what time are you going to get there? He said, 2.30. I was like, uh, okay. So my in-laws where we stay at is not that far from this lease. It's probably 10 minutes. So I dropped the kids off, grabbed my gear. I had the ozone generator running in the, the 110 plug in the back of the truck on the way here. So I was, everything was locked and loaded. And um, we go out there. I meet him at 2.30. We get in the stand. We're in the stands by 3 probably. Well, um, you walked out before I got there. Yeah, you were pulling in as I walked yeah. out. And um, I pretty much said, all right, this is where um, Matt M- Minkus had a lot to do with me killing this deer. Because, you know, I don't – I'm not in Michigan a whole lot. So I rely on him to do a lot of the land management on my property in Corona. Um, and then he pretty much he pretty much said, all right, Mike, if you're going to sit here, the deer are going to come from the south or they're going to come from the west. And here's what's going to happen and here's where they're going to be. I sit in the stand and uh, hadn't seen a whole lot. It was cold. I mean, this was the day that the wind chill was saying it was like nine degrees. Yeah, and it, it would like, like blizzard and then stop and blizzard and then stop. Like it was on and off the whole time. Yeah. And again, I'm coming from Georgia. It's like 80 degrees where I hunt at. When I killed that buck in Alabama, it was like 62 degrees. Um, so when I get here and it's not, it feels like nine, you know, with the wind chill, uh, I'm freezing my ass off. So I'm sitting in this this ladder stand, and this buck comes through, and he comes directly from the south, just like Minkus said he would. Um, and the body on this thing was massive. I mean, absolutely. We're, we're bowling the skull right now. And we think it's a two and a half year old deer, but the skull on it is probably thirty percent larger than Minkus's two and a half year old deer that's sitting here. Yeah. And I've never in, in Michigan, my biggest buck is a year and a half. I, I haven't hunted much, right? It's a it's a year and a half old seven point uh, that probably scores sixty five inches, right? It's not a not a big deer. So this deer comes through big body, uh, nice eight points, and um, it's four thirty. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's snowing pretty hard. I uh, got to clean off the, the scope uh, and I bust it. And it, it keeps run, you know, it runs 50, 60 yards and drops. And I walk up on it and I said, I'm like, ooh, I might have got some ground shrinkage here. This, uh, this deer looks a lot <laughs> smaller. And I said, I said, make us a picture. And he's like, uh, that's cool. Um, but I could tell he was like, it was a bad picture. It was um, really, and the body is massive. Really so it makes the rack picture. Look even smaller. And, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back to the stand. So I, I drag it over, and uh, I'm like, he goes, I'll get down and get the cart. I was like, no, 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 keep hunting, man. Like, you, you got your son out here. Let's give it another. Hour. It's 4:30. Like, All let's right. sit. And then it started snowing hard, and I'm like, okay, let, I want some daytime pictures. Let's get down. None of us were seeing anything. Um, and he walks up, and he's like, dude, your picture did not do this deer justice. No, I thought I was about to walk up on a 60 inch eight point. And it was not a 60-inch point. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it scored rated about 100 inches, which, you know, at the time was my biggest Michigan buck by far that I'd ever shot. I was I was pumped with it. Body was huge. Um, it was a good buck for that part of the area in which we hunt and uh, and my biggest to date, which I was pumped well, Let's emphasize, how long have you been in a stand in Michigan before you shot that At, at that time? Two hours. Yeah, fuck you. Maybe not even two hours. <laughs> it gets better. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, maybe not even two hours. So um, we pull it out. We uh, bring it over to his garage. We hang it up. Uh, we measure it. It's right at 100 inches, which I'm, I'm pumped about. At that point, I'm like, 
all right, I'm telling my wife, I'm probably doing two shoulder mounts. I'm going to mount this one in Alabama and we're going to get this one. And she's like, yeah, I don't think you're going to do that. <laughs> uh, so I convinced uh, Minkus's wife, Lindsay, to talk to my wife to try to convince her to, to let me do this. So the next morning, uh, it's Saturday. Or what was that? I didn't hunt Friday because uh, I had a bunch of bridal yeah. shower stuff I had helped my wife with uh, making balloon arches, which sucks, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I blew up 450 balloons. Did you have the tie two. thing? Uh, yeah, but it didn't really work. So my fingers were like numb from tying 450 balloons. Uh, we did have the, the little compressor, so I didn't have to blow them all up. Yeah. It was, uh, it wasn't that bad, but anyways, I couldn't get out in time. So Saturday morning I go out to my property in Corona and I get out there at 6am because I knew it was going to, it was freezing cold and the stand we get to the ladder to get up into it's super loud. So we got there early. Um, how about your access in? Yeah, so um, historically, there's been an access on the south side of the property that was like a a, a two-track trail that we'd, that we'd made. Did not know that Minkus, when he cut trails out there, had cut a really well-manicured trail. So I'm like stomping through cattails. <laughs> so luckily, I got out there early. And I sit till 2. We sat from 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. And I saw, I don't know, 30 deer, a couple small bucks, all on the neighbor's winter wheat field eating. Um, so I did have eight hours in the stand that day. Um, didn't hunt that night cause we had, uh, it was my, it was, um, it was a, actually it was a Thanksgiving dinner at my mom's place. And the next morning supposed to be balls cold again. It's supposed to, this is, this is Saturday the 20th and I'm like, oh, you know oh, what? Oh, it was cold. We didn't, yeah. It was, it was freezing. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to bundle up and I'm going to go and I'm going to sit for the first hour and it's my wife's birthday. So I know I can't stay out long, right? Cause there's birthday plans. And I'm like, you know, if I can make it an hour, the first hour of daylight. So I knew I couldn't walk the field edge because the deer are always feeding that field. So I, I talked to Minkus. He said, okay, you should maybe access over here. So I walked through the woods, got to the stand 20 minutes before daylight. I don't want to get there any earlier because I was sitting in a tree stand. I knew it was going to freeze my ass off. So I get there, um, and, you know, I got just sweaty enough that my feet started freezing. Um, and I'm sitting there for 10 minutes, and three does come by on my left and then three does come by my right and a little four point comes by and then three more does come from this. There was 15 deer running around me for about an hour. I'm like, I can't leave. There's too much action. There's too much movement. And the four point ran away and there was no deer. So I tried to grunt the four point. The four point came back. Um, so I, I was sitting for about an hour and a half and I'm like, okay, it's like eight 30 at this point and I'm freezing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start I'm going to give it 30 minutes. If I can make it till nine, I can't go past nine. My wife will kill me. They got birthday plans. Um, so about eight, eight 45, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm literally thinking about, um, I was, I was getting cold. I was getting bored. I needed something to like make me want to sit the last 15 minutes. And I was thinking of Minkus's Ohio story where he literally just said, you know, I was in the middle of the day, wasn't a lot of movement going on or whatever. And he just started calling, right. Just randomly. So I went in like a 45-minute sequence of some tending grunts and some... What was it, 45 minutes? Sorry, 45 seconds. <laughs> 45 seconds of just, you know, different grunts and longer sequences and shorter sequences. And I see this uh, this nine-point. That's probably the biggest buck you've got on camera out there. Yeah, I would say it's... I mean, if it's the same buck, the one side has got me questioning it, but it's top two, top yeah. three, if um, not. I see him coming in probably 150 yards away. And then I grunt at him again. He turns and then he starts coming right towards me. And he comes up and um, on a beeline and again, kind of grunt stopped him, smoked him. He ran 60, 70 yards. And uh, and then the buck I shot the prior Thursday was no longer my biggest Michigan buck. 
Um, the body on the second buck, though, is nowhere near the first. I right. mean, it, like we had them in here together, and it was second close. Yeah, it was the way, second buck is smaller. Yeah, way smaller. The body is smaller, but, right? But, correct. But it's a larger, it's a larger rack for sure. So, oh. um, so yeah, I sat at this lease that we have for four hours. Again, there was an eight-hour sit the day before. He really Between. emphasizes that part. Now, let's be clear. He was in a blind with a heater watching the Michigan game, you know. So <laughs> let's not act like right, he was right. struggling. Okay. Uh, so I, I was in Michigan for less than five days and spent, you know, I don't know, 12 hours in the woods and shot my two biggest Michigan bucks I've ever shot. Actually, the only deer I've ever shot bigger than this is the one I got in Kansas yeah, last Two year. of the three biggest deer he's ever killed. Yes. Actually... But remember, my last sit in Georgia, I shot that Alabama buck. Or my last sit in the South, I shot that Alabama buck. My first sh- sit here, I shot the hundred inch, and then my fourth sit here. So th- in three, it's, in four sits, I shot the three of my four biggest bucks. Yeah. The only one bigger was in Kansas last year. Good luck topping that. Yeah, it's been a pretty good four days. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever. I can guarantee I've never done that. I mean, I've seen yeah. some good. I'll be honest. My season this year is the best season I've ever had. Um, for seeing deer. Oh, for seeing deer. Yeah, I mean, so I guess we'll go through my season since the last time we talked. I got back from Missouri, and things changed in a beat, man. Like, I got back from Missouri, and my very first sit in Missouri. Uh, Michigan. Or my very first sit in Michigan, I, had, I called in a real nice eight point that I let walk right underneath me. And then uh, it was like every time after that, every time I went out, I was seeing 100-inch deer, 100-inch deer, 100-inch deer, and letting them walk. And then I went out to our lease in the morning, and I was seeing deer, seeing deer, and then I'm faced to the west and everything kept coming from behind me in the at the east. And this was after he sky dumped in the morning, by the oh, way. Yeah. I did. I did send a good sky dump. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got so many questions, and yeah, it's all right. And then, uh, like ten o'clock, I hear something. And I keep thinking it's thinking it's in front of me. Now, mind you, it is wide open in front of me. Like I would be able to see it, and I'm just dumbfounded in my head like why he's in like large timber yeah like i'm 20 acre section of timber you can see every direction yeah i'm dumbfounded like why can't i see this why can't i see this and then i turn around and 20 yards behind me i see a rack and it's a pretty good you know size and then he turns his head and he's only got like a spike at the time i only seen the spike and And i was like but it's probably like a 14 inch spike it's big yeah. With some good mass to it. Yeah, and I, as soon as I seen the spike, I was like, yeah. Like, is it, it's, I've always wanted to shoot, like, a goofy, kind of non-typical buck like that. And uh, I'd never even, I mean, you see him, I see him on Facebook, I see him on TV shows, but I'd never actually seen one in person. And when he turned to that side, I knew I was going to shoot. But the problem was I had to shoot sitting down and behind me. If you've never pulled a bow back in that position, let me tell you, it is difficult it was i normally when i'm at when i'm getting ready to shoot a deer even with the doe with my adrenaline going i'll just pull it back like no problem i got like halfway back and was like what the hell like i couldn't i i struggled to get it the rest of the way back and then i finally got it back 
and then he stepped out and I shot him at 20 yards. I actually didn't even make that great of a shot. I hit him kind of low, but uh, he ran like 60, 70 yards and then he bedded down and then I watched him stand up and start stumbling around and I knew at that point it was done. So I just had to kind of let him lay. But when you sent me the picture of this deer, I was, it was cause you, I talked to you before you, you went to get the deer. Well, the best part is, is Joe had sent me a text moments before and it said, shoot a deer or something like that. And my very next response was, I just shot one. And he was like, wait, really? I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you, when you, cause I think I talked to you when you were still in the stand before you got down. Here. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, send me a picture. And he told me about the spike and he sends me the picture. And this thing's got these two abnormal points coming off yeah. that spike, like a, like a crab claw almost coming off the side of it. Um, and it is just such a cool, it's a really cool buck. The question, it's, not, it's by no, it's, it's, it's nowhere close to your biggest buck, no, it's but not it is giant, one of the coolest looking bucks you've ever shot. Single-handedly the coolest buck I've ever shot. It's not even close. Yeah. Um, the question I get asked the most. Nice cold buck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cold buck. Um, the question I've been asked the most is, did it break off? And no, it, it, oh. grew, it just grew yeah, like that. And there was no... I didn't see any injuries visible. I took it to a processor, so I'm not sure what it looked like when they cut it up, but it just grew like that. It, it, I think what happened was it done. It did something when it was involved. Because the yeah. spike and the two the two abnormal points that come off of it, none of them are like nubbed off or broke off. Yeah. Or anything. It clearly yeah. injured itself. Like when velvet first starts coming up, when they just yeah. got little nubs on yeah. them, and it grew weird. And I didn't have that deer on camera at all, but I was stoked about that deer and, and the crazy thing is man i i could i don't even know if i could count how many bucks i passed bigger than him but the uniqueness he had a good body on he's it. the one that got your heart pumping yeah it was immediate so yeah i don't uh i'm jacked that i got that deer it's actually my first bow deer excluding the kansas buck last year it's the first mm. bow deer in michigan um man i'm trying to think I shot a two-year-old six-point like four years ago. Progression. Well, that was like the first deer I shot that I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I, I was like, <laughs> like I, I had let that deer go, and then I just you were, got you real. Got, you got trigger happy because you were pissed off earlier. Real antsy, and yeah, that was kind of a bit of a, a change of pace for me. Like when I shot that deer and realized like, man, like, that's not really what I'm after kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really like that feeling. Um, I didn't have that with that this deer. While I do think that this deer is two and a half, it was more the uniqueness of it that really sold me. And, and I didn't have nowhere near, like anywhere close to a, a regret like I did with that, that other buck. Mm -hmm. So, but then I think the coolest part so far of Michigan wasn't even me shooting a deer. I mean, I got to... You know, Mike, I got to be with Mike when he shot the one, uh, and I thought that was really cool. The coolest thing for me is is, is still been Brady's buck. Yeah. Um, Brady, Brady's my younger brother. We have uh, our five younger brothers, and he's the next oldest besides me. And him and Minkus have been, you know, we've been best, best friends, friends for, for, I mean, I don't know, 12 years. Yeah, it's been a while. And I'm, if you guys follow us, you've seen the post, but Brady has. He hasn't always hunted the most. He he definitely he doesn't maybe have the same drive that we all do, 
but he still puts and, in time. And by drive, you mean addiction. Yeah, yeah. He he most certainly still puts in time, and he puts in effort. And and the entire time I'd known him, he'd never killed a buck, and he'd passed a lot of bucks. Like it's not like he couldn't shoot bucks. I he's mean, had he's, some horrible luck on some situations too. Yeah, he's had. I he gets a bit a bit excited. He's missed a couple. And he's let a lot go. He's let a lot of bucks go. And uh, he took my 350 out opening day, and he took both of his kids out. Um, and which who are six and two, <laughs> four or something? Is Katie four? I think he told me the day she was four. Yeah, so. sorry, sorry, six um, and four. So, uh, and they sat out. I remember actually being super pissed at him opening morning. So I just got a new tactic cam trial camera, and I got a, an alert while I was at work. And it was it's seven thirty in the morning, opening morning. So it's damn near light. It's out. been light for thirty. Minutes. <laughs> it's been shooting for thirty minutes. <laughs> and uh, it's Brady walking past the trail camera to the blind. Is that the know. one where he's like with the no, kid? No, no, no I got another it? one. That it's, was after he shot the yeah, deer. Yeah, that was after. Yeah, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Like this is why you don't shoot any deer. You walk out <laughs> at seven thirty in the morning, and then uh, I kind of gave him a little bit of shit about that, and then. At 10.30, I got another notification, which I also thought was Brady, because if there's one thing about Brady, cold weather is not his friend. He hates it. Like, Usually he doesn't hunt in gun season much because it's too cold. It's, he it's just won't cold. hunt. Yeah. And, but So I didn't think anything of it. I didn't even check the notification. It ended up being a doe that had walked by. Well, then at like 11 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from him. And I'm like, oh, like he just wants it. And he just, I answer the phone, and he's like, I, I got a buck down. I was like, well, you're still hunting? <laughs> like I thought you got down 30 minutes ago. And uh, then what sucks for him is kind of how the rest of it unfolded was he thought it ran over to the neighbors. So I had to call the neighbor for him. And the neighbor, we have a great relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I call the neighbor, and he's like, yeah, like what's up? I was like, hey. Um, someone just shot a buck out there. We think it ran over there. Um, can we come track over there? And he was like, yeah, but like, I'd prefer you guys wait till dark. Now, mind you, it's 11 a.m. in the morning and this dude ain't shot a buck in 18 18 years. years. Okay. And then he proceeds to tell me, um, he goes, yeah, my grandson actually watched it fall. So you guys don't have to track it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, it ran over to my grandson and he had just clicked the safety off to shoot this buck, and it fell, and it fell in front of him. Wow. And I was like, damn, Brady's not making any friends today. But, <laughs> but uh, I was like, all right, well, then I kind of had to calm him down a little bit because he was a little bit like, he tried, He thought that Brady had shot it in front of the kid. or the, I don't even know if he's a kid he's an adult, but he thought Brady had shot it. I said, I'm telling you right now, that deer was— It was 100 yards on my property. Yeah, right. I said, Before. he shot it twice. And it ran over there, and then it fell down. And he was like, oh, like, all right, you know. And so then what ended up happening is I had to call Brady back. And I was like, it was kind of bittersweet because I knew that his deer was done. But I also had to tell him, you don't get to go look at it. You can't until- go get it for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seven hours, whatever. So um, I call him back, and I'm like, well, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well— the bad news is you're going to have to wait till dark to go look for your deer. I said, the good news is 
your deer's dead. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, your deer dropped like 60 yards in front of the neighbor who was about to shoot it. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah. I said, he clicked the safety off. And as soon as he did, the deer fell straight down. And he, you could tell, it was almost like a relief, but it was also like a ton of excitement that he got to experience that. That monkey's been on his back for a while. Oh, we give him shit. We've given him shit for a while. Um, so we, much so that anytime a small <laughs> buck comes through on trail camera, Brady or Minkus will put it in the in the in the group text and say, "That's a great Brady buck." <laughs> yeah, because we were starting to be like Brady, just fucking shoot one. Like we like we we start like I had him convinced to shoot a four point that I thought was two years old. Um, it had a u- pretty unique rack, but like I was like Brady, you need to shoot that deer if it walks by. Um, we all just wanted him to shoot a deer. I mean, we we were we had convinced him. Like I could tell you right now, I could have probably convinced him to shoot anything a year and a half year old eight or better, um, and probably a couple of six points here or there. That, that, that's how much I think over the years I've just talked him into trying to shoot deer, and. Um, the best part, though, was the rest of the day we spent, like, trying to pick out what deer it was based off of what he described. Like, through trail cam pictures. Yeah. And then we talked about this, I think, on one of the, on the last podcast. There had been a nine point that I had seen a couple of times, and it was one of the few deer that I was going to probably shoot out there. Well, they sent me the picture, and... Mike and Brady's brother, Sean, goes, is that the nine point you see? And it was. It had just broken off one of its tines. He had a lot of, there's a lot of broken. I mean, he was yeah, all busted. Yeah, he, he was way busted up. But it was a fantastic deer. I don't know what it scored, but to wait 18 years and shoot that buck, it, it might be worth it. I mean, it was a, it, it's a fantastic what's, deer. What's funny, though, is is the picture of him coming out of the woods He's carrying a four-year-old, like, on his shoulder, like, over, like, a bag of potatoes. No, like, he's, like, holding it, like, underneath. in yeah. yeah. Uh, so the the six-year-old's walking with him. He's got the backpack. He's got the gun, I think. And he's got the other kid. He's, we were like, is, is Katie hurt? He goes, no, she just didn't want to walk anymore. <laughs> she she so didn't want to like walk anymore, anymore. yeah. Uh, so I think that so far has been the highlight of my season. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, I shot a great buck, but to wait that amount of time – and for him to finally get a deer was uh, was was great. And, I mean, he even had issues this year. Like, this year he was going to shoot a pretty good eight-point, and he went to go draw back, and it busted him and took off. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing is he's dealt with uh, – we call it the Whalen effect. It's just because that's what the last name of the neighbors next to us are. But what happens is they have a wheat field, and you'll sit in our box blind and watch deer and that just pile into that field that you can never shoot. It is, it is, there's been times we've sat there and seen 60 deer in this field. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's the biggest deer we've seen have been in this little corner of this protected little wheat field. Yeah. And and, is is that the builder? I don't know. Whalen builder. We've only really met the, I think the, the The son, yeah, the son or the nephew. He's, he's probably in his late twenties, I guess. Yeah. He's by our age. I mean, they're nice people, don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, am I jealous of the fact that I can't shoot into their field? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'd love to shoot out into their field. But, uh, no, he he has – Brady has is very particular about certain things, and he has a couple of stands out there that he just loves. 
unfortunately, regardless of wind or conditions yeah, or um, unfortunately for him, those stands overlook those fields like where you not overlook but like you can easily see into those fields and you're pretty much just window shopping yeah because they will not come over oh yeah well and like he just man by the time gun season came around he'd watch so many deer i even told him i said dude you need to sit where you can't see the field because you're you're getting yourself all worked up because you can't shoot any of these deer i mean he just seeing big bucks left and right out in their field and just couldn't shoot them well, even opening morning, what happened to him was he actually watched the dude shoot a buck out of the field. <laughs> like, and we were getting Snapchats because uh, the dude was like kind of walking back and forth, and and he was getting a little uh, irritated or whatever. So like he he was getting discouraged. And then what ended up happening is that dude doing that helped him out because that from what I've gathered, that dude kind of messing around kicked that buck out of their field and it came out in front of him and he shot it. Which so, we, we've had happen in the past. Minkus and I dropped three does in late season a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I might bitch about all the deer they see in their field, but when I see them get ready to walk out, I get real excited because they're almost guaranteed going to kick something to us. Yeah. Well, I think tonight even, like uh, you they, guys were in the stand for two hours and they came showing up <laughs> feel like 45 minutes left of daylight. Yeah, that's par for the course, but they're nice people. It's just they hunt a lot different than we do, but no, it's, uh, if you've ever hunted with Brady, it can be an interesting experience. It's a long, it's always fun, but it's, uh, like, it's not nearly as serious as, like, when I go out, but when I take, when I sit with Brady, man, you have a ton of fun, but... <clears throat> You just really never know what's about to happen. I've watched. I mean, I've mean, I've seen him do crazy things, and I've seen crazy things unfold with him there. But it's never a dull moment. I'll tell you that much. I was uh, when I got the message that he shot a buck. I was pumped. I was pumped. Especially because he had the kids with him, which is a ballsy move to take a, a four and a six year old out on opening morning of gun season. Yeah. Well, he didn't have with a choice. Them for five hours. He didn't have a choice. Oh, he didn't have babysitters. Yeah, he was, he told me that he was uh, he the night before opener because I had let him use my three fifty because he couldn't I he, he didn't have a gun sighted in and I had to work so what what the hell do I care? But he was nervous because he couldn't find a babysitter, so at the last minute he was like, "Screw it, like." I'll just bring him with me. And he brought the heater and he brought like blankets and he had the iPad so they could all, and this blind is, is nice, yeah. right? You can leave the windows up. You can be, I mean, we've watched football games. Like mm. you can be a little bit louder than yeah. normal in there. So having kids in there isn't awful, but then I would love to have been a fly on the wall when that deer comes through. Cause oh, I can yeah. imagine it was absolute chaos. Him trying to control two kids while trying to figure out where this deer was at. Like, <laughs> can't imagine it was absolute chaos but since gun season started my big buck encounters have gone down uh which is par for the course but i'm pretty much going to be on doe patrol here now yeah that's what i'm you've heard about our seasons i'm 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 sitting here on what november 21st is that today 22nd Uh, it's the 22nd we're four days away from the michigan ohio state and i've got three of the the Three of the four biggest bucks I've ever killed, six deer down, freezer's full now, and I haven't even hit the rut in Alabama. The rut in Alabama doesn't start until the second week of December. <laughs> Joe, how's your season gone? Awesome. Yeah. 
fucking going great. <laughs> so Joe's head about the polar opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but that's usually what happens, so that's by choice, so I mean, But you got you got a couple deer down early season, which, yeah, which you've talked about, down. which is good, so and I passed like don't get me wrong, I've passed plenty of deer, so I didn't like set up on that big monster like and just couldn't he was locked down on a doe and he kind of just went away but i i was pretty if i had a gun i couldn't even shoot him too and he was like only like 45 yards from me oh really yeah because if i had a gun i'll tell you right now i'd have been tagged out i almost was tagged out two days after i shot my buck i think the biggest buck we have on camera at mike's come out well he come out behind me earlier and he went into a big, thick bedding area on the neighbors. About an hour later, two does came out from that same spot. And I, I knew he, he was going to come out. And about five minutes later, sure enough, he came out. And he must have already checked those does because he didn't really pay them much of attention. And he came right down to me. And I ranged where I expected him to walk out. And it was 28 yards. And so I was like, well, I'll put my 30-yard pin on him. It'll be all right. As he's stepping in, like, he's right at the opening, but it's real thick in there. So I pull back, and I'm at full draw, and I just need him to take two more steps into that opening. And he stops. And instead of walking those two more steps, he turns right and then walks along the edge of that thick stuff. And then he stepped out at 40, but there was too much stuff that I didn't really – I just got too nervous to shoot and try to make it through that, so I didn't shoot. And then I watched him walk right to my other tree stand that I had set up not far away. I've watched that happen a bunch this year. I've uh, a Booner five point. I watched walk 15 yards from a tree stand that I had set up, and that same night, uh, probably I don't know if it's the same nine point, but it, it same property, pretty good nine point. Walked right under that tree stand. Um, couldn't shoot it. In my place? No, this is not the least. Um, so I feel your pain there on watching deer walk under stands that, that was all, all of my bow season. What I felt like every time I went out, I seen big bucks. I mean, I think I texted you the group chat every night I was hunting and it was like, yeah, I seen another big buck, couldn't shoot it. Yeah. Like to the point where like, I was like, man, these guys like probably think I'm crazy the amount of deer like the amount of big bucks I was it was like every single time and I just couldn't like if I had a gun I was like man like the the, the that 50 to 60 yard range every time and it just didn't work out but I can't complain about it I was excited to see him but yeah. Joe is there still activity on uh, the places that you hunt are you still seeing deer are you um well a chance for you to get on one of those bucks yeah I mean I think the neighbors are hitting it pretty hard. I haven't hunted it there since opening day. My brother-in-law and nephew got one on the following day, Wednesday, the Wednesday. And they got, he got a nice nine. I think that's probably a 125. It's a pretty good buck. I would have shot it. And then well over a hundred, I would think the nephew. Also pretty good deer. Yeah. So they both got them. Uh, my cameras have been blown up for the last two days, but not nothing big, no bucks or nothing. But I think there's room for late season, but it just depends on the weather, like how I can endure it. But the you problem. You got yourself a pop up? I do have a pop up. You got a heater? 
Yeah, how the hell am I going to do that with a, bl- or a bow? <laughs> Put the bow in the case and get a gun <laughs> out. What are you talking about? No, no gun. <laughs> what? But uh, I took one up this weekend, but it was snowing as fuck. It was a lot of snow. Yeah, I need to get you on one of my leases because I, I would love for people to take a bow out during gun season with me. Cause Why? So that way I can shoot the deer while they're watching them with their bow. Uh, I'd be excited <laughs> for you. Nah. I mean, it's just going to be tough. I, I It really sucks to have all that shit on you, like all your suit and all that, and being in a saddle. That kind of At what up. point That's do you That's the tough think, part, when you're wearing that yeah. much gear to yeah. stay warm. But it, bow hunting becomes harder. Yeah, it comes... You can't get no anchor point, because... Like, when you have a muff and all that on, man, like, I don't have, like, no string contact. I'm trying to put the muff away. And At what point? What point do I take a gun out? Yeah, do you think you'll take Never. a gun? You don't nah, think you'll Nah, nah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know, man. There's just a certain deer that I'm after that I really want to take with a bow, and I think it, it's fucking Instagram, dude. I get so fucking <laughs> worried about what... I shoot it with. Why? I mean, we talked about this before. I mean, so ultimately my goal this year was to shoot a 120-inch deer. The buck I shot, I can tell you right now, is nowhere near 120-inch. It won't, it won't even break 100 inches. Yeah. But you asked me, does, was it like, does the pot, people listening to the podcast or the people outside affect the way you hunt? No chance. Like, you, there's no chance. You hunt to essentially make yourself happy, right? We do this as a hobby. This is what we do for fun. I'll never, ever try to dictate what I do for fun to make other people happy. Well, and There's it's, not, no it's not to make them It's not why. I mean, Well, you just start comparing it, right? You, yeah. You just compare it to what's out yeah, there. Yeah, and it sucks because I have a lot of friends in, like, Illinois and Iowa and all that, and then they're shooting fucking 160s, and I, I got to tell myself I can't. That's apples and oranges, yeah. you know. But it's it's been like a personal journey because it's just like, all right, now basically this is season two I would be sacrificing just to get one with a bow that I really want. But I think, and this is my personal, I mean, I have a 120-inch goal, but I also look at some of the pictures I have on camera and it's like, okay, what are the top three deer I've got on camera, right? If I can shoot one of the top three deer I have on camera, then that's a win. Now, don't get me wrong. You shoot it. My goal is to shoot a 120-inch deer, and I shoot it at 115 because it's the top deer on camera. Is that benefiting me long term? I mean, probably not. But for me, I mean, it still reaches my goal. I'm still going to be extremely happy with how the situation filled out. And maybe, I mean, five years ago, uh, I'd have been tagged out this year with the amount of 100-inch deer I've seen. You know, um, but now I'm to the point where I'd like to to let that go. But five years from now, I might decide, okay, you know, we've got a handful of 115 inch bucks. Let's let's try to move to the 130. And I I, I mean, so far that's how my hunting progression has gotten. Yeah. I mean, I don't judge you for the fact that you continue to use a bow i think it's it sounds like you're crazy (laughs) i mean i think it's a little crazy but um but it's it's i get it though man joe i i get it because i am this year i wanted to kill um i wanted to kill a good buck with a bow 
uh, and not the crossbow that I was hunting with last year. Right? This is my first year back with the compound in a long time. And um, that Alabama buck, when it came through, it was it's just a different feeling. So I, I, I get it. And um, after that, I will um, – yeah, I'm, I'm chasing that high with the boat too. Yeah. I think I um, I know what I want to kill, right? But I also know what's realistic in the area that I was in in Alabama. That was the biggest buck that I had on camera, and it came through. And there's only two bucks I was going to shoot, and that one came through. So, And, and it's one I thing that's it. like, I, like, oh, I, I want to shoot a 190-inch deer. I don't have a 190 deer. <laughs> right. You know, it's not one of them things. But I do know there's one deer that will break 150. Like, I would say 160, but I don't want to be that over. But I think he's a booner, and I really wanted to shoot it with my bow. Yeah. And it, and it, the only way I can set up on it is with the bow, I think. I mean, I bet you I could get a gun in there and all that. I mean, yeah, anywhere you can get a gun. But I don't know. It's just been this buck has been haunting my dreams and it makes me not but if you get a couple years of history and then next year or the year after you end up getting him with a bow like that story and that history is going to make it that much better. yeah that's what i said well i mean either way i mean if you this year and next year go out and you shoot 130 140 inch buck with a bow whether it's during bow season or gun season it's probably going to make me giving you shit for two years a little bit more worth it, right? You know, um, I mean, nah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be absolutely ecstatic when you pull it off. Right. But I'll settle for something. Like, like at this point, like I, I would take a 115 to be honest, like a 110. Maybe you could but, shoot a 60 inch buck with your bow, and I would be excited. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because I fast a lot of fucking deer that like that size or or bigger. But, like, I don't know, man. I mean, for me, if if you shoot me a text or a call and say, I, you know, I finally shot a buck with my bow, irrelevant of the size, I'm going to know, like, that was 100% a deer that you wanted to take. Yeah. Because yeah. you've passed so many of them. <laughs> and it's passing bigger bucks than I've ever shot. That's just sometimes. Yeah, that, it, it, the dedication it takes. Now, don't get me wrong, like... I sit over here and talk about all these deer I could have shot and didn't shoot and, you know, all these deer I seen and didn't shoot. Um, I don't have the same willpower. I, I couldn't wait for gun season to open. Yeah. By the by November 10th, I was so overseeing deer that were too far out of range that I, I would have given anything to, to allow somebody to put a gun in my hands. Um, and then still didn't shoot buck with my gun. So it seems effective. Um, but... You get excited for gun season, but then your hunting gets lazy. Oh, my hunting gets real lazy come gun season. Like, he it's bad. It's like, he stops caring about the wind, about scent control. Well, I care whatever. about the wind. He just I goes just... to wherever he can go to stay warm and yeah. then thinks the buck's going to walk by. Well, I care about the wind. I just, I care less about how effective the stand I'm in is going to be, right? Like, it's which tree it's less about which tree stand i'm going to sit in and more about which blind am i the, going to the sit best in. way the best way to describe it is you're just a lot less tactical as soon as gun season hits cuz you feel like you don't need to be because you can get away with something 150 yards away i don't feel i know i can like it, <laughs> well, there's yeah. a huge difference like but i wonder i wonder if you difference. kept up i wonder if you kept up the same level and discipline and the tactical part of it that you have during bow season with the gun season what kind of success you'd have? The difference would be that I would just freeze my ass off. I would probably have a higher success rate, but um, the cold, like 
I'll handle a good 30-degree day. Um, I would take a 30-degree day. That that 9-degree day sucked. You won't catch me. Like, the biggest thing I'll do is I'll start now popping my pop-up up and putting it in places that I can blend it in real good. And uh, well, you even told me that morning I went out on, on my wife's birthday, you were like, dude, you're going to freeze your ass off in that stand. Yeah. It's be miserable. Um, but I'll, I'll take my pop-up out or, you know, and I'll, I'll put it in places that I think I can kill deer. But yeah, gun season for me is pretty much, you need to put me in a blind. Like I'll sit out in a 30 degree. Don't get me wrong. Like tonight, I almost wish I wasn't in the blind. And it was, I went and sat with Brady. You know, we wanted to kind of bullshit and hang out, but I would have much rather been in the tree stand tonight. Um, it's like 40 degrees. Yeah. But I also can tell you if I sat in a tree stand tonight, I would have messed more things up. I didn't really do well on any sort of scent control. Um, I, I didn't even put my clothes in my ozone uh, closet. So it would have been a bit of a cluster, but I mean, the wind was okay, but I didn't even look at the wind cause I already knew I was going to go to that blind. Yeah. And, um, now That's if nice. I know I'm going to sit into a tree stand, I'll still look at the wind. Like I'm not yeah. just going to randomly pick a tree stand and I'll be a little bit more conscious about my scent control, but come gun season, you're more apt to see me haul out a pop-up and, figure out the wind direction and all that than find a tree stand to sit in. Yeah. Well, the final stretch is here. I mean, December is basically, what, five days? or Not, yep. not for me, man. Yeah. Alabama season goes to mid-February. Yeah. I'm fixing to have a child in 10 days. That's what we're projecting right now. And then I'll have four weeks off of work. So You think I'm, you're going to be hunting? Oh, Linda and I already talked about it. She oh knows. my god, she knows. I wouldn't even try that shit with my wife. No but way. No. Try like we've already talked with my wife. No, my wife will. She as long as I'm. I couldn't even go like two weeks before Megan was pregnant, <laughs> or when Megan gave birth, because it could have happened. Could have. Um, I mean, and you're thinking about. There's no thinking. We've already talked about it. I can guarantee you. I'm ask Mike. I'll guarantee you. I'll still be a hunt. I'm. I'm not doubting that. But and uh, my situation is just. It wouldn't have happened like that. So you got. Um. You got till the end of December. Yeah. Are you Are you hunting aggressively still for the last month? Oh, for December. Yeah. It's my favorite time to hunt. Really. Yeah. It's my favorite time to hunt. Not basically bucks, but it's just anything. Just being in the woods and fuck, man. Tet. It just like that test. cold, that cold, crisp morning. Oh, dude, it just fucking kills. Especially you. when everybody else. I mean, gosh, after Thanksgiving morning, most other people are funneling out. Yeah. Of, the Orange Army's going away. That's why I kind of hate the straight wall muzzleloader. Like I used to love muzzleloader season, but now they brought the th- four fifty and three fifty in this. Even even though they allow it, I still feel like there's a lot of people that like Thanksgiving oh. morning is yeah. the last. Like that's that's like the end of the period when they're like, yeah. You'd be amazed how many people don't even actually know that rule. I yeah. know. I, I shouldn't. Insane. I should not tell it a lot. Like <laughs> it's crazy to me. Like I've killed deer in that late, whether it's a doe or a buck, and I've killed it with a three fifty or four fifty, uh, and I, it just I get lit up about it. And I'm like, just read the rule book, man. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I the gun I shot it with is a hundred percent lead. I'm just gonna go. 
literally advertise that I'm out here shooting deer with a, an illegal weapon? Like, no. Um, but it's insane how many people don't I, know that rule. I, I do want to take a couple more does. I, I think that's going to hold me off. I think, I think I need to kill a doe. You should do doe days with us. I don't know what doe days is, but I'm intrigued. So we got um, at my place there in Corona. I mean, even even the other day, we saw we probably saw 35 deer in the field, and maybe three of them were bucks. So we were creating, uh, when I come back for Christmas, the week before Christmas in... Um, late firearm. Late firearm. We are, we're essentially doing a doe competition. So I'm taking an old trophy. I did a, I'm doing a Euro of a doe that I shot back in Georgia, and we're going to mount it on top of this trophy. We're going to create like a Michigan doe days that'll go to the people, the person that shoots the most does or the biggest doe. We haven't decided it yet. Yeah. But we're putting together a little bit of um, a competition uh, for some doe management, and we're just going to call it doe days. It'll be an annual thing, and the trophy will move around to whoever has the most success with it. So That sounds very fun. I'll take a gun out for that. There you go. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, that's the most excitement I got coming up. But I I do agree that it's a month away, man. Yeah, but. You got a month to hunt. <laughs> Your baby's literally getting <laughs> bored before that. You're like, yeah, I can't wait till doe days. Well, I mean, I'm referring to deer season. Um, I have started to really enjoy the late season um, because once people start coming out of the woods, those bucks that did make it through, they kind of go back to that early October feeding pattern and you you can get on them a little bit better. I mean, I've shot two of my biggest bucks um, Thanksgiving Day or later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really enjoy the late season. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still sticking to a blind. I'm cuddled up in a blind, bring old fat baby out, and, you know. That's we, what he calls this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the cute nickname you have for your child. I'll what? tell you what. The, the deer in the south aren't. Are by no by no means as big. the The age structure is not the same, but the coolest part about it is, it extends my hunting season because Georgia opens September 10th, and the Alabama season goes all the way until mid February. So by the time I can, I like have to be out of the woods and can't hunt anymore. Gosh, spring turkey's almost here. Well, you're gonna have a hard time convincing your wife to let you hunt till February. You keep killing deer. Right. Well, I think it, I think at this point though, like, it's not. Um, I'm going to go out, but it's got to be something bigger than I've shot already. Yeah. Like it, it's got to be something that I've uh, uh, like my personal record at that point. This may be a dumb question, but what, how cold does it get in Alabama? I mean, it was, it was in the twenties okay. the week before I got here, but it was abnormally cold. That part of Alabama. I mean, it's cold if it's in the high twenties, low thirties. Okay. Um, but then the next week it's 50. So it'll snow, but it's melted within a day and the yeah. whole, the whole state goes into a state of emergency for like a chance. Of <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Again, I probably want, um, the volume of hunting that I've done so far has been more than I've ever done to this point in the year. So that's, that's going to decrease a lot. I'm probably just going to spend a lot more time like scouting, moving some cameras around and trying to find bucks that I don't have on camera right now. There's one buck in Georgia that's on my little two acre section uh, that's a 10 point with this, um, this flyer with a drop tying off of the flyer on the left side. That's really cool. I think I've sent you guys a picture of that. Um, if I get a chance at him, I'll, I'll shoot that one. Um, there's nothing in Alabama that I've, that I've got on camera that I'll probably shoot. Maybe that one that I showed you earlier. Um, and then really it's, if I go back out to this hunting lease, this hunt club, I want to, I want to get a hog, man. I want to kill a couple hogs out there. So that's, that's probably what the rest of my season will look like in Georgia. 
is um, is probably some night hunting for hogs, setting up in areas where there there's more likelihood of seeing a hog than a deer. Um, and if I happen to see a great buck in a little a, a buck in a thick swampy area, then I'll then I'll shoot him. But I'm really there for the hogs. That's sweet. Well, hopefully that works out. Your staring makes things awkward. I don't know. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? So. And then uh, I'm home. I, I leave. I go to Chicago after this to visit some friends. I'm home for a week, and I go out to South Dakota on that pheasant hunt. Oh. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done pheasant hunting. Have you ever eaten so. pheasant? I've not. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I'll trade you some salmon for pheasant. Okay. Deal. I got, don't let me forget to get that. I mean, I got three days of hunting there, so I'll have. I'll get yeah. plenty of pheasants. Yeah. Is there a limit on that? Is there a bag limit? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a daily limit. I gotta I gotta see exactly what it is. But the guys that we're going with, they live out there. Um, they uh, they work for a company that we work with uh, in the healthcare space. But he also has like an outdoor business. So they're taking us out. They they got their dogs that they run all the time. They do a lot of pheasant hunting. So uh, they're very experienced. Me and Matt are not, and um, it'll be a good time. Oh, all right. Um, I guess next week, hopefully, we have some cool excitement, or we'll just bring full-on late-season tactics. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll get some late-season masters over here. Yeah, something like that. So. I think there's a lot of success stories coming up. We're starting to book up. Well, I don't, with you, the baby, and all that. I know a lot of people are itching to come on, but I can't schedule no one. It's so hard to schedule people. I'm excited to hear... Um I don't know if you guys saw this. This might be like a spoiler, but Spencer released the the uh, for sale date on these new Havoc broadheads. It's like the first of the year, I think. They're, well, they're, man, they're hitting manufacturing. Oh, manufacturing at the first of the year. So. That's what I thought it said. Yeah, I think you're right. So they won't uh, they won't be ready for this year, but they'll be yeah. in, in in production plenty of time for next season. Yeah. Yeah, next fall they'll be available. Maybe we'll have to try them out. I've never tried a broadhead that heavy, but because the they're one fifty. One fifty. Single, single going into a double bevel. Yeah. With a white. One one piece, like, tool-grade steel, right? Yeah. Uh, I will not be opposed to giving it a shot. I'd love to send that through a hog. Because I, I need that for, for, I could tell you, you for a hog. That'll cut through a deer with yeah. no issues. But. Do you see his doe he shot through the shoulder? Yeah. Uh-huh. What shoulder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but Is he hunting yeah. with those this year? I don't know. If I, I think he might have been using a prototype, actually, of it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, with the baby, it's going to be hard for me at least until probably tail end of December. Yeah, I, I mean, and I was just telling people, I'm like, dude, we're hunting still. Like, you, I'm a hunting pot. We're a hunting podcast. Yeah. We're going to hunt during the good time. And if we can't get an episode out every week, well. Just know that we're hunting. Yeah, just yeah. know just we're know hunting. Just know that we're trying to create content. Yeah, we're trying to help you guys out, listen to our ridiculousness. Uh, well, we don't get paid for it. I mean, right. like, like... Yeah, I still got to go to work. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. Literally. You should get ob- a concussion. You don't got to work. Well, I, I won't... I don't... I can guarantee you they're not going to pay me to yeah, take the whole gonna month like, of November. If I went to my boss shots. and told him, hey, man, I can't work the month of November, he would be like, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, like yeah. Right. oh, you, you don't have to work. You <laughs> yeah. just don't have a job anymore. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. boss is uh, not awful, but they're not that generous to be giving me uh, the entire month of November off when they know I'm obsessed with deer hunting. <laughs> so, all right, then I guess uh, hopefully we'll talk next week. Um, as long as it's before December second. Um, so yeah, if you hear me next week, then you know the baby's not here yet. But right now, December second is the projected date. 
appreciate I've, you guys having me on again. This is always fun. Yeah. Uh, we got to finish boiling these skulls and. Uh, I'm fixing to go to bed up. here in a minute after I rinse yours yeah, off. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. That's fine. So thanks for coming back on, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll see you in a month. Good luck the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. See ya.